Extra Travelers, and welcome to another episode of Tales of Tavat, a Genshin Lore podcast. Last week, we discussed the Guayli Assembly, and in typical Tales fashion, we're still trying to figure out where exactly Guizhong died. We've been exploring the tomb I'll mention non-stop. This week, in our Season 2 finale, we'll be discussing Conria. Additionally, I want to remind travelers to visit TalesOfDevot.com to see visual representations of the lore mentioned during today's podcast. Your guides have put them together for you to make things a little easier to understand. On our site, you can also find some awesome goodies, including artist spotlights from the community for each episode, wallpapers for download, and a way to check out some of our favorite Genshin merch. Finally, feel free to email us at TalesOfDevotPod at gmail.com to let us know what you think of this week's episode and what topics you'd like to see in the future. I just have to say that this feels very like full circle moment. Because in our very first episode, Brandon made fun of me for spelling Conria, Conaria. <laughs> uh-huh. Conaria. <laughs> it feels like we finally hit the point. <laughs> we can talk about <laughs> this hard-hitting topic. <laughs> like our antibiotics have finally kicked in and we're ready to talk about it. Now we can talk about our trauma from it. <laughs> so much trauma. So I think it's really important to lay out that Conria is an unobtainable location currently in the game. It is something mostly mentioned in lore, books, conversations. It's definitely a sore subject for a lot of people, and it's sore subject for some of our even playable characters. And Conria doesn't have a lot written down. So a lot of the stuff you're going to hear today is us pulling from little bits and pieces of quests, character lines, books, weapon descriptions, artifact descriptions, whatever it may be. So not a lot of this is set in stone. There's definitely going to be a lot of theory out there. And I think that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. And there, to be clear, there might be a lot of stuff, quote unquote, written down. It's just all locked behind that giant door. <laughs> yeah, or it's like coded. Right. Yeah. It's like, there was a dark place. Where was that dark place? What is the dark place? There are many dark places. It's only been recently that we have actually have even been given the location of it. Mm-hmm. You know, probably the Archon quest we had earlier this year, we got a little bit more of an idea of the location. But as you continued on in that, we got to see the door. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. The door. <laughs> Before we jump into all the lore, I do have one question for all of you. What was like the first tidbit of knowledge you learned about Conria that really made you go, oh my God? Uh. I'll go first to put the lay of the land down. For me, it was when I found out Kaya was from Conria. And D. Luke almost killed him because of it. And I was like, I know nothing about this godless land. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Wait, where did we find out about that? I don't even remember. Is that in the manga? Well, the first time I sh- I went <gasps> was when I read that Kaya was from Hanria in his character story. Oh, which you, know, right. you can read. Yeah. And then later on was last summer, summer of 2022 during Hidden Strife, when you find out that like D. Luke, well, you know from Kaya and D. Luke stories that they had their big fight when Kaya said, I'm from Conria after Krapus died. Mm-hmm. The worst timing ever. The worst timing ever. Hey, trauma does stuff to you though. <laughs> Leave the boy alone. <laughs> I think for me, it was during the actual Archon quest 
with Dainsleaf. And I did, I forgot, because today when I was looking back through the lore, because I feel like over the months that we've been doing this podcast, it's easy for us to sometimes get tripped up or like be like, wait, now what was the timeline of that? Or when did that happen? I know we've talked about was the unknown god and us being sort of sealed away or whatever like was that during the cataclysm or was that many years before the cataclysm and so one thing that was really interesting to go back and confirm was that Dainsleaf does tell us during a herald without adherence quest that you know he sort of clarifies the timeline as we're discussing it with him and Paimon and they actually do sort of discuss the timeline of what actually went on during that opening cutscene of the game. And that's sort of my first memory of Conria and like the whole sort of jaw dropping moment because we, you know, at that point we had no idea really. And they basically confirmed that, you know, we woke up after our twin, but that we first woke up during the cataclysm. And they even used the phrase within the meteorite, which this is funny because like we like emerged from a meteorite. Okay. And then our twin told us about the cataclysm and the destruction of Conria right around that time when we were waking up during the cataclysm still happening. And then at that point is when the unknown God attacks us. And then we're somehow put back into stasis for around 500 years. So I remember being like, oh my God. So that's what was going on in the opening cutscene of the game. Mm. Mm. That makes a lot of sense as to like why the twins would be so angry and all about attacking this uh, sustainer of heavenly principles. And I'm trying to remember when we first were introduced to Conria. It wasn't the time where I was like, this is big boy shit. I think for me, it was definitely the same quest, but I think it was at the point of the flower and that if you play as Lumine, there's a reference to that we're wearing the flower that is originally from Conria, which is like, ooh, ooh. I honestly can't remember when I first learned about Conria. Isn't that wild? Like, I had a hard time in the beginning separating the abyss and Conria. Agreed. Mm, yeah. So... I think that even during that Dainsleaf quest, which was probably the first jaw-dropping moment for me with the statue upside down and the dead guy, like, I was just like, what the hell is going on? That was my first, like, what? But that was more Abyss-related than Conria. But I, I honestly don't remember. Like, when did I first know about Conria? Or did one of you fools actually just tell me about it? And that's why I don't remember. Because <laughs> <laughs> that could be it, too. Yeah. I feel like the Dainsleaf quest line, unless you're looking for, like, the lore, the Dainsleaf first quest is totally the first time you hear about Conria. Yeah. Okay. Again, unless you're seeking it out, or you're, yeah. like, reading Kaya's, like, lore, or Albedo's lore. Mm -hmm. So it could be the fact that that whole thing blew my mind, so it's all, like, I, I focus on the, the upside-down statue. Yeah. Well, it's also disorienting during that part where you're uncovering that because that's also sort of our first moment of like wait are we playing as an unreliable narrator here where you find out that the traveler does remember things about conria but up until that point in the game we had no idea and we thought that you know if anyone paimon was would be the more knowledgeable one but that's yeah it's during that moment when Dainsleaf is like you know there was an ancient civilization 500 years ago that got destroyed and paimon is like oh yeah i've heard of that let me tell you about it and then we to paimon 
say, oh, I know, already know about Conria. And that's when they have the little conversation where we basically confirm that we remember things about it from our sibling telling us about it. And Paimon's like, oh, wow. So that makes sense. Like you must have been, you know, th- these past few months where we've been traveling together, you must have been looking for any kind of book or whatever you can to learn more about it. We all like had bombastic side eye when our the traveler was like, I remember. Right. We were like, what? <laughs> Excuse like, we do? me? <laughs> Would you like to inform me about my memes? <laughs> like, I have <Yeah>. questions. <laughs> but, okay, I want to know everyone's little first moments with it. But since we've laid that down, Conria, as a few of you mentioned, is an ancient civilization that was destroyed 500 years ago during the Cataclysm. Conria was a godless nation, which I think is the most important thing. They did not worship any god and they purposely were like underground, I guess, to avoid like the eyes of Celestia. We only know of two playable characters currently that have relations going back to Conria, and that is Kaya, who is a descendant of the founder of the Abyss Order, dun-dun-dun, and who was from Conria, and Albedo, whose master slash creator slash mom, Raiden daughter slash gold, was an alchemist practicing Kamiya, which is a type of alchemy, in Conria. And there's, I'll throw in a third person, which is Dainsleaf. Well, he's not playable. Yeah, but we know him. Oh, there's gold. I thought you just, I thought you just meant anyone we knew. <laughs> oh, no, I was like the only playable characters we know who have like uh, relations. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, you're right, though. Dainsleaf just plays with my heart. <laughs> and then the other, besides gold, of course, after mentioning Albedo, we also have Kari Bear slash Clotar, who are also both from Conria. So we've, oh, and I guess Halfden. Halfden. Yeah. Halfden. Yeah, Halfden. So we've met what? Like, we know the names of like seven people? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's half a Mondstadt. <laughs> I love that. I love it, Al, that you're just like, I'm sticking with that. I'm going to yeah. bring it all the way through. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't even care. It's this whole season. Mondstadt, great city. No populace. I mean, it's hard to say that there's really any populace in any of these cities. I think the most populated I've seen a city is Port Armos, but I am very biased. They're all drunk out there. That's why. Mm-hmm. They're like, what? Ooh, look at Kabe's <laughs> buildings. Like, oh, we could never. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting that we do know so many people that are either from Conria, have spent spent time in Conria, yet we've yet to get anything concrete. Like, we only have a handful of concrete facts, which is it's underground. They do not worship a god. And it was destroyed. Mm-hmm. It was destroyed mm-hmm. in the cataclysm. Everything else is speculation and passed down knowledge that may or may not be reliable. How often did the people use the art of Chemia? Probably a lot looking to what they created. And I have some theories about like why 
they were founded upon the belief of not worshiping any god, but we can go into that later. But yeah, we have nothing really concrete, even bits and pieces of like the dynasties. We've only really gotten that recently with the Kari Bear line, like the Kari Bear storyline. And that's not even the full picture because that's the Kari Bear line introduces us to the Albrecht clan, which yes, may have had royal blood, but technically weren't ruling. They were just regents. Right. Because a certain king was indisposed. Yeah. Yeah. That was one thing I thought was interesting. I don't remember it myself, but it was in something I had read during the Hidden Strife Mm -hmm. event. There was a little lost note that we could have found at the top of the Knights of Favonius, which most likely I did find and I just didn't pay attention to it. Oh, it broke my heart. Oh, I think I wrote that down. It was the Albridge clan who did not have royal blood who stepped in as regents when the strength of one-eyed king, Ermin, failed. Right. And I know we've talked about, like, is Kaya actually the blood of King Ermin. Yeah. So for travelers who don't know, King Ermin was one of the rulers of Conria. And most of the lore we get about King Ermin is in those little like chasm level up materials. I know I've recently been grinding them for my Kazuwa sword, I think. (laughs) Besides the point though. And all we really know about King Ermin, besides that he ruled Conria, was that he had one eye. And so people are like, well, duh, that's Kaya. That's also why people were like, that's why Kaya's dad is Piero. And that was proven (laughs) false. Well, yeah, it was proven false because we know Piero was from Mondstadt originally. Yeah, and we know that Kaya actually didn't lose an eye. And we know where the scar came from. He lost an eye of his heart. Yeah, (laughs) his brother scratched his eye and he just wears eye patches because he's likes to be dramatic whoa 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 he likes to wear an eye patch because as a kid he liked to play pirate <laughs> did we go through this gene has like a log of all of his eye patches i think yes. if you go back to our yes vanessa episode i think it's the barbara episode barbara vanessa it's something but kaya, kaya also chooses to wear an eye patch it's not because he's dramatic but because he wants to make d luke feel bad which is dramatic <laughs> i was about to say this <laughs> The biggest bombastic sight I I can think of at the moment. Do you think we'll ever see his scar? Just just curious. Do you think we'll get to see his eye? Watch it be like the tiniest little baby like scar ever. Yeah. It's actually just split his eyebrow. I feel like he's also hiding it for like Klee. Klee would probably be scared if she saw his like eye, I feel. That's just my thoughts. Can we go back for one second? So you mentioned Piero being originally from Mondstadt. Is that true? I thought he was from Conria. Because he has the primogen eyes, which is the is kind of the calling card of those that are born I mean, from I know Conrian blood. He was a royal mage of Conria, but I don't know if he was in Mondstadt before then. Oh no, no, I'm wrong. I, I didn't mean to, I he is Conrian, so I guess okay. he could be related to Kaya. Well, it could also be now now follow me on this deep dark hole. <laughs> What if Kaya just uses Albrecht's name because he was, quote unquote, taken by the Albrechts in a way to kind of further the abyss, but he's actually of Eclipse blood, which is why he's not affected by the curse. Yeah, there was, there's definitely a lot of like missing pieces of, you know, our, who could King Ermin be theory? Because at one point we thought Piero was King Ermin, mm-hmm. but now that we know that Piero was a royal mage... 
Right. I mean, I guess technically he could have become the king at some point. We don't really know. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that he's now the leader of the Fatui Harbingers. Yeah. So there's some kind of weird connection there where it's like you have someone that was of royal blood and Conria is now leading the Fatui. It kind of makes me wonder if the Saritza was also from Conria. Totally possible. And I think we used to joke even that like Kayo could have been like related to the Saritza somehow. Mm-hmm. But just a side note too, you guys, I know you guys mentioned something about Piero with the curse. So for our travelers that don't know, the people of Conria were cursed. And there were two different type of curses that came out of the cataclysm. And basically the Conrian curse was given to them because Celestia was like, oh, you decided to do what you did, which we'll get into in a second. And you decided you didn't need gods. So fuck you. Any pure blood Conrian is going to be cursed with eternal life. And any partial Conrian or person who like moved to Conria will become a hilly troll or an abyss mage, right? So Piero not really showing any signs of a curse must be pure-blooded, right? That's what I would assume, yeah, because... Because that's also Clotar. Mm-hmm. And Danesleaf. Mm-hmm. Well, Danesleaf has something going on. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting too, is that is Danesleaf covering half of his face because he was disfigured during the initial curse, or is it because we know that the royal blood people from Conria all still suffer from erosion, quote unquote, mm. erosion. So does that mean that like he, you just be, sort of become disfigured over time? And that's why he and Piero are covering part of their face? Oh, that's interesting. Or was it that something happened immediately during the actual unleashing of the curse, you know? I lean toward the former part just simply because when we see Clotar, it's right after the cataclysm. So obviously he wouldn't have any of those if it was something that happened over time where Piero and Dainsleaf, like you said, it could be that over time type of thing. Right. Yeah, good. That's a good point. It makes a lot of sense because Zhang Li mentions like kind of the erosion of time and how it can affect people and that he's been heavily affected by erosion. And so maybe because they have lived so long in this state, they are kind of eroding. I mean, it'd be fucking cool to see like Dainsley pull off his coverings and it's just a skull. It's no skin, just skull. I would like to throw a little wrench though into what you guys are mentioning. So, you guys are saying that, like, maybe it's possible that it's an erosion over time. If we go back to the Kari Bear storyline, we've gone back and forth a little bit on the pod in previous episodes on whether or not the Danesleaf we see leaving us in Sumeru at one point, like in the beginning of the Kari Bear storyline, is present day Danesleaf or flashback Danesleaf. If it is flashback Danesleaf, he's already scarred and he already has those markings. Mm. So I really think it depends on whether or not that's proven. Because for me, I truly feel like that was Danesleaf in the flashback. But I know a few of you guys disagreed with me on that. So it's like, is that flashback Danesleaf or real Danesleaf? Because if it's if flashback Danesleaf has those markings, you would almost think that something happened during the cataclysm or maybe something happened before the cataclysm even. You know, we've mentioned that Kimia has been involved in this, which is that form of alchemy that mostly gold practices. We don't know of anyone else besides gold and albedo that practice Kimia. They don't even mention past people practicing it, really. I'm sure there were others if gold was doing it. And they've even mentioned, like, you know, Kimia is the, like, 
what allows them to make life. It was a big part of like the primordial human project that created Albedo, created Suspedo, created Durin, like all that jazz. So I almost even wonder two things. If A, Dainsleaf was affected by some like Kamiya experiment or two, then this is totally, I have no proof for anything. If Ermin was like some weird tyrant and was like, screw you guys. If I don't have an eye, you don't get an eye. And that's why both Piero and Dainsleaf don't have eyes. <laughs> so I would love to segue that into my theory. Yeah. Ermin is Erminsol. I mean, the name makes sense. So in, okay. So I was looking up in, in preparation for this episode, I was trying to find the King Ermin story in Norse mythology. And from there, I found some Germanic mythology about a god named Ermin, who is also referred to as Ermensol. And an Ermensol is technically like this giant pillar or sky nail. And it's kind of like this pillar playing an important role, a part of this Germanic paganism, you know, mythology. And Armin was one of these gods who is kind of like an epithet of Odin or Wooden, which is why I feel like they gave him one eye. And this idea of Odin, the reason he has one eye is because he gave his eye to the Norns in order to gain knowledge. There's this idea of forbidden knowledge, and Ermin did a lot of forbidden knowledge stuff when we look at some of the speculated texts with Conria. And one of the weird things about the, the story of Odin gaining knowledge is he offers the eye to the Norns and then he hangs himself for three days and three nights from a tree. Well, specifically the world tree. Now in our game, in Genshin, Ermensoul is depicted as a tree. And in IRL world, Ermensouls, these pillars were destroyed by Charlemagne. Oh. <laughs> and we can kind of look at Charlemagne as a, well, look, I love Charlemagne, but definitely someone who's like kicking up rocks and changing the game, if you will. So instead of this very paganistic Germanic identity, you have this very Christian, very ordered ideology coming in. There's some really interesting parallels that Germanic and Norse mythology play when it comes to King Ermin, because there is that story of King Ermin, which I need to go back and look at that to, to really go forth into that, because there's the Danesleaf sword and there's the two sons. It's very fascinating, but the fact that there's King Ermin. We refer to the one thing that locks away almost all knowledge in this game called Ermin's soul. I feel like it's too much of a coincidence to not be related. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, totally. It also could just be a crack fucking theory. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe Ermin and Conria have something to do with like, if we believe in our time loop theory mm -hmm. like maybe something happens to ermine which is what actually triggers the curse of conria that could be it because he was indisposed during the time of the cataclysm which i'm assuming this is either he was ill or like something or maybe he just turned into fu a fucking tree right because doesn't kaya's 
first adoptive father say something like that in his note of like the strength of the Mm one-eyed King Ehrman failed us or something like that? Yeah, it reads, it was the Alperich clan who did not have royal blood who stepped in as regents when the strength of the one-eyed King Ehrman failed. So whatever happened Ehrman, eh? Like we're not sure. He was the last of the Eclipse dynasty. Does that mean that the guy who dropped Kaya off at D. Luke's dad's winery was a hilly churl? Possibly. Well, if you think about Kari Bear, right, what what is being suggested is that someone of Clotar Alberich's ancestry, if not Clotar himself, took over, at least temporarily, when Ermin failed to rule. Do we know when the Eclipse Dynasty ended, when Ermin was like, I can't do this, bye. During the Cataclysm. Also, hang on, hold a minute, hold a minute. We know Yero was a royal mage. That doesn't mean he's not an Alberich. And that doesn't mean he couldn't have been regent. True. Yeah. I will say that I think because we have met Clotar, it kind of is like a, you know, how many Alberiches were there? It also makes a lot of sense now why Clotar in the Kari Bear line is like so dedicated to not following a god. If you guys remember, Clotar doesn't want to ask the Dendro Archon for help. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of like, nah. Go ask the Dendro Archon for help. Because again, we still think it's like current timeline. And then we find out it's back after the Cataclysm. It's like, oh, fuck. The Dendro Archon's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why the Dendro Archon isn't helping you. The Dendro Archon is small <laughs> in a cage. The new Dendro Archon is a baby who is, can't access their people. But it brings an interesting thought of like, oh, why did Clotar, who might have been like the new royalty... Not royal blood, of course, but the new form of royalty that took over, possibly, or tried to take over during the cataclysm, mm-hmm. you know, and not in that's not in a war way either, right? They just like took up where Ermin Soul couldn't, or Ermin, damn it, I said Ermin Soul. <laughs> but it's interesting because Clotar openly admits that he like married a was it a woman from Mondstadt? Yes. And then his child Kari Bear because of that is a hilly troll because they aren't pure-blooded Conrian. And then we know that something happens to Kari Bear, you know, either Kari Bear's curse gets broken and Kari Bear lives or Kari Bear dies. We're not really sure. He was in a whole heck of a lot of pain, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm, there was an explosion involved. I hope he didn't die, but I really do think he's the one buried. <laughs> I think that that's Clotar, and I think it's Clotar buried there, because his wife was also buried there. Yeah, but he couldn't die. But if it's Clotar, it also means that the curse was broken. <laughs> yes. Well, that's kind of the whole point, I feel, of the Kari Bear quest, is the showcase that the curse can be broken right? using a blood flower. And that it probably has something to do with the abyss. Mm-hmm. Since Clotar and our twin basically founded the Abyss Order. Right. And I will also say just one more thing about Ermin that we kind of know. So in the chasm, as I was mentioning earlier, there's a level up material and it's the gloomy statuette, the dark statuette, and the deathly statuette. And they're all like these one-eyed little things. <laughs> and on the highest level one, 
like the you know the one you need when you're doing your last ascensions for your weapons it says that it's a one-eyed carving that emanates an ominous energy with no indication of what it's made of as you gaze upon this idol you can almost hear a strange comforting whisper see my child all that lies under the throne of heaven shall be destroyed by upheaval the eternal Mm. peace of the pitch dark void shall embrace us all very much suggesting that the people who worship the archons and who are ruled under celestia are going to be dead in a not fun way and that the abyss is going to take us over yeet we're all just gonna enter a singularity basically i actually wanted to talk about that for a minute because i think it's really and this could just be chalked up to magic wagicy stuff happening that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense but why why was being a pure blood conrian so different from someone that was of mixed blood because we know that those whose ancestry belonged to the homes of other gods those people were cursed with wilderness is how they phrase it and that's why they became hilly churls and using that phrase like whose ancestry belonged to the home of other gods is a little suspicious to me because what does that mean in terms of the difference between a pure blood conrian and then other people mm-hmm. that came in because we know Dainsleaf mentions that Conria never turned people away from wanting to join them. So basically, if someone was from Mondstadt or Leeware, wherever, and they also wanted to live in a world without gods, that they could join Conria and move in and set up shop and be a, a citizen of Conria. And those are all the people and their descendants who become hilly churls during the curse. So what is it specifically about the blood of a pure blood Conrian that is so different from the people that are from the areas ruled over by other gods? Because to me, the first theory that popped into my head was that the descendants of that are from Conria or the descendants from the Archon areas are descendant from the Primordial One or the second who came, depending on which way you want to look at it. Or because when we look at the Eclipse Dynasty, because it is considered a celestial body, could it have been that those of that dynasty, aka full-blooded Conrians, are descended from Seelys? That's totally possible. Yeah, and I mean, I think the Seelys are related in some way to the primordial one. Mm-hmm. True, yes. And we do know humans weren't created by the primordial one. They just brought them here. Well, you would think that the people who fled to Conria, right? They're kind of mm-hmm. like traitors in the eyes of Celestia. So you would think that they would have the, like, quote-unquote, worse curse. But according to everyone we've talked right. to so far... Becoming a hilly troll is like the better of the two because yeah. you lose your humanity. You don't really realize what's happening. You're just kind of like, hee hee, I'm a hilly troll now. <laughs> is that how, is that how it is? Hee hee. <laughs> I'm a Hidley Cho now. <laughs> Being killed every every 20 minutes. <laughs> skipping. Skipping. Uh, I'm thinking of freaking Mike's movie when they're skipping to the murders. <laughs> but yeah, I so I love the idea that, you know, the primordial one, let's say, came down 
brought all of humanity out from the ark and then the second who came because remember we know this when the second who came arrives they start sowing all this discord amongst all the humans of the world and they're like telling everyone like hey the sky is not real and this is all fake and then we're assuming that the primordial one puts the smack down on the second who came. So to me, narratively, it would make sense if the people who are descendants of the second who came are the ones that are like in the know that Celestia is full of crap. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones who branched off and created Conria and that they would be made out of different stuff or have different DNA. I also would like to even suggest too that the people who weren't from Conria might have had the blessings of the archons of the nations they were from. So almost like Celestia tried to put the beat down on them, but like Zhongli, Venti, Makuto, Rukhdavada, the mm-hmm. other gods that we don't really know the OG names of, like they could have been also like protecting their people. Like, I don't see, you know, Venti's whole thing is like freedom, right? He's like, I don't fucking care what you do. I just want you to live your life and be happy and not destroy everything. And that's what I mean. It could just be, I like, my brain always tries to go a little more science-y, but... Your brain tries to go honkai every time. Well, yeah, that's more science-y, but like I said, it could just be a magic-y, wagic-y thing where they they explain it a way of like, oh yeah, they... uh, you know, put a spell on the people that were born under their land or whatever. Yeah, and they gave a little bit of grace to the people who weren't as much in charge or didn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. Well, we also know, too, that all of the Archons, like all of the seven Archons, were called to Conria at the time of the Cataclysm. We don't really know, like, why the Archons were called there. So who's to say that they weren't called there to from their people from these like for help you know we mm-hmm. have assumed that celestia kind of called them in to kill and destroy but there's a bigger chance too that they could have been there to protect i mean i'm maybe i'm being positive i know i'm with you could there also be a chance that it was actually a trick on the archons and that it was something mm. from the Conrian people to actually kind of call them there because I mean a lot of them died. Yeah. Gold could have been like <laughs> mm-hmm. that's how I imagine gold. <laughs> well see, I always pictured them going there to save the world from being destroyed by all of the shadowy monsters that were flooding in from the abyss because of gold. But I've always this thought of bit. that as sort of simultaneous but separate of the the actual Conrian curse, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we actually take a moment to talk about that timeline? Because that's something that confuses me a bit, Mm -hmm. is we know that Gold was making these monsters. We know that those monsters got out. Did those monsters get out because Conria was Skynailed? Or did they get out and then Conria was Skynailed? Are they completely unrelated? And why... Did like the Skynail open up the hole to the abyss? I believe I don't think the Skynail did. I think so. I think what happened was the when the second who came shows up and they start getting the humanity uh, into that more on their side than on the primordial ones that the primordial one at that point sends the sky nails down and it somehow protects the world from the second who came but that would have been before the cataclysm yeah right yeah i mean the sky nails like in salvin you're and one of you said a while back that your theory was that all the sky nails were dropped at the same time if that mm-hmm. were the case like the Salvignor and or Salvignor and the desert one were dropped way before the cataclysm yeah so the sky nail didn't have anything to do with the cataclysm i don't think so okay it's a little unclear but i almost 
almost feel like the sky nail was like the warning shots almost oh, okay. <laughs> of the people. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Gold's monsters got out because of the cataclysm or or did the cataclysm happen because Gold and Gold's at fault? <laughs> That's a good question. I Gold released monsters from the abyss, whether mm-hmm. intentionally or unintentionally. And I think that she may have been partying in the abyss late at mm-hmm. night and getting <laughs> corrupted herself because of that. Mm-hmm. Hence why Durin ends up being corrupted and, and stuff like that. Because from our understanding of these quote unquote monsters, right? A lot of them were rift towns, which we do know were created by gold. Albedo has many siblings out there. But we also know there are some crazy monsters that like only come from the Tales of the Abyss. Like not to be confused with Tales of Tavat. Tales of the Abyss, the upcoming sequel podcast. (laughs) But we know that these abyssal monsters during the cataclysm started to pop up in multiple areas. So they were coming out of the chasm. They were coming out in in Inazuma and Monsat. We know Durin was wreaking havoc. So that also bears the question of like, where these monsters were popping up, were those other areas from Conria that were like reaching the the surface? Did you almost say cervix? I almost said cervix. <laughs> mm. I've been watching a lot of doctors. I've been watching a lot of doctors TikToks lately. <laughs> they were, you know, getting ready to breach the surface. Or are those like portals to the abyss that are scattered across Tavat? And yeah. I really think, Tiff, like your question of like, are these monsters all golds or all the abyss or like a mix of the two is really important to understanding what exactly was happening. Yeah. And I think that there's monsters from both. I just think that they're separate monsters. But the question then becomes yeah. like, was Gold raising these rift towns in the abyss? Like, was she going out, you know, zipping the door shut of the abyss and, you know, throwing these dogs out at, out there and all these monsters and were they just vibing out in the abyss? And that's why they kind of intermingled with the abyssal monsters. Like, there's a lot of questions I always just kind of assumed, like in my own headcanon, that whatever gold unleashed these monsters, that it started sort of tearing at the fabric of the fake sky, and that Tavat itself started opening up all these holes to the abyss in it, which... The reason I feel that way is because I know there is some kind of description about when the second who came shows up that the primordial one wanted to keep the the reality from tearing apart. I forget exactly what it says, but it's sort of along those lines. And then when you think about the way that the abyss looks during the cutscene of Lumine running through the cataclysm, that looks so much more catastrophic and and you know the thing with like the red sun or or moon or whatever the blood moon i think there is more happening than just monsters coming in that's my own personal theory you're right and clotar even like backs that up when he says something to kari bear about like oh like the red sky is no longer here Mm-hmm. Like it almost makes it sound like, you know, we kind of, and I don't think we do this intentionally, but we as travelers kind of act like the cataclysm happened within like an hour. Right. Like everything, boom, done. We moved on with our lives, packed our bags, seen and cleaning it up. No, like there's totally a chance that the cataclysm started years in advance and that gold could have been doing all these experiments and that ermine could have fell and there could have been a blood sky for years prior to the rupture of the abyss you know and that tear 
Right. Doesn't the Senora lore sort of imply that? Because isn't she going around for years and years, like, fighting abyssal creatures? Yeah, but I think that's more so in the aftermath, just because we know Rosaline returned from studying in Sumeru after the cataclysm had kind of, like, finished up to find, like, her boyfriend dead and all that jazz. Right. So that's really a post-cataclysm world where it seems like they really hadn't fixed the rifts in the ground yet, Mm -hmm. which almost honestly makes me think of the ley line disorder, just because we've seen that with the Sakura tree roots in that one Raiden Shogun storyline. You know, they said the rift towns are eating the Sakura roots, which are part of the ley line for some reason <laughs> so yeah like they're definitely getting through to the non-abyss world mm-hmm. it almost makes you wonder if the ley line disorder was something that only came about in tavat after the cataclysm and that maybe the ley line dis- like the ley lines were a bandage like an elemental bandage onto these tears and rifts yeah and see i thought that I kind of always thought that that's what the sky nails were, mm. that they were holding, you know, the firmament in place and keeping it from disappearing or whatever. But that doesn't really reconcile like what happens during the cataclysm. Like that's still a mystery of how did that catastrophe get fixed to prevent the world from ending? That's interesting that you see the sky nails as like like the bandages because i almost saw the sky nails as like warning shots (laughs) Mm -hmm. like this is your warning and those areas kind of listened but conria was like missed us we're gonna keep doing our shit (laughs) first of all i love how immature conria sounds in your mind (laughs) yeah i mean they literally had ruin guards that they called farm tillers (laughs) i don't know seems immature to me also i just have a lot of head cancer Okay, I don't know what's real and what's not real. And then I remind myself that it's all a game. (laughs) (laughs) So we know that the Sky Nails probably came down, or at least some of them, around 6,000 years ago, by the way. Interesting, because I was curious when Conria was founded slash created. I think there's speculation that it was founded not long after the beginning of the downfall of Salvin Dagnir, which maybe those from Salvin Dagnir, after being, you know, sky nailed, they're like, fuck the gods. We're going to go make our own civilization with no gods. So it's from the staff of the Scarlet Sands weapon, which is told from King Dashrit's point of view. And he says, in the original world, the barriers were torn down and the dark poison had penetrated the earth. To heal that fragile, sad, and imperfect world, the spikes descended and pierced through the earth's crust. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's what made me think that it, they were holding something in place, you know? Because he says to heal the, that fragile, sad, and imperfect world. And, you know, we're mentioning, like, the timeline of Conria, and Al was just saying how... It's suggested that like Conria started to form at the time that Salmondanier fell. Do we have any idea if like any of the Archons were aware of Conria? I mean, obviously the Archon War happened while Conria was around. Do you think that like they cared? Do you think that even like Conria really became well established during the Archon War because they're like, yo, they're fighting now? I think they were very well prepared just because they had those giant freaking rune golems that's true like they were planning like you know they had this whole army of ruin machines 
So it did seem like they were really like preparing for war in a way. Do you think they almost knew that Celestia might be coming for them? Or do you think they were planning to come for Celestia? Like how aggressive do we think Conria is? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't kind of suspect that Conria was going to come for them because they really had all the power. Like Conria was basically hiding from them underground. So I always took the fact that they were building all these machines as an implication that they were going to take the fight to Celestia. But So then can one think that maybe like gold fucking up shit with the abyss could have been like a second storyline in the actual story of the Cataclysm, where maybe the Cataclysm was just originally Conria emerging from on the underground to destroy Celestia, and Gold, you know, sidelined, took advantage of it, and also summoned Abyssal Monsters. Or maybe they were trying to take over the rest of Tavat, and it wasn't really even about Celestia. That's true, too. Like, do we even know mm. if they knew about Celestia? I mean, I think we knew because they didn't, they knew they didn't want a god. Yeah, and there were things that were banned from Conria. Um, really? Like, when Clotar talks about, like, the medicine that he's trying to create for Kari Bear, he mentions that he read about it in the Royal Library of Conria, but that it was forbidden to create because it used things from the gods. Yes, I do remember that. And so that's why he went to Sumeru and was trying to worship at the statues and was all, you know, desperate to try anything. We also don't know the timeline of Kari Bear, which is frustrating. We do know that it at least is sometime after the cataclysm yeah it's considered Mm -hmm. like recently after the cataclysm but what is recently for someone who can live for eternity i would say at a minimum five years Mm. because we do know that we are part of that aka our twin is a part of that yeah i was i i was feeling it was more like 50 to 100 years after damn i mean it's 500 years ago so Uh, true we don't really know how long the hilly trolls last before they disappear into the cave, do we? Mm-mm. Well, do they all disappear into the cave, though? No, I don't think all of them do. But I just mean, what's the actual life cycle of a hilly troll? I feel like it's also eternity, unless Traveler kills you while trying to get bananas, like, type of thing. I mean, they still respawn after that, so I would... I would uh, <laughs> well, oh my that God. actually, that brings up a, another thing that I was really curious about, which is the nature of the gods and archons, because Madame Ping actually does declare at one point that gods cannot be fully destroyed. So, and we kind of already knew that from, you know, all the stuff with Zhao and the other Adepti that were being poisoned by, you know, the remnants of the gods that they had slain. So there's definitely something about the gods that are eternal in this game and i thought that was really interesting like what is it about the gods in this game that make them immortal and immune to destruction and is that possibly tied into the conrian curse like could someone have taken a god and applied its immortality onto the people of conria my god that's actually really interesting because so many gods did die during the cataclysm too yeah also, remember when the Abyss Order later tried to use Osile in their plans of their, you know, Luma Fate operation, whatever the heck that actually is, 
they try to use the power of Osile, and Osile was nicknamed the Overlord of the Vortex. And I thought that was interesting because could Osile have originally been utilized or was there some other thing that he's keeping guard in inside the abyss that was used for the curse? Yeah. Also, I know we talked about the uh where the entrance of these abyssal portals are. It seems like there has to be one in the sea because Osile, if he's the overlord of the vortex, I mean, I guess the vortex could just be something in the ocean, but it seems like that's also like a portal to the abyss. And also the breeze amidst the forest volume one book even says that when Durin, you know, came to town to uh, terrorize Mondstadt, it says that Durin rose from the sea. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> the most dramatic shit ever. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've speculated before. For travelers who have not looked at the map, I don't even want to think about you if you haven't looked at the map. But if you look at the map, a lot of the water areas have dark marks. And in Inazuma, you can see that those dark marks are tunnels or, or underground things that are real <laughs> for the most part. So we've been curious and we've talked a lot in general maybe not on the pod but together about whether or not those dark spots could be something that we don't know yet if durin rose from the sea we do know that there is a port of Mondstadt that has yet to been released and we know there are a ton of dark spots to begin with in the water surrounding Mondstadt it's totally possible that we haven't found it yet and there's a portal to the abyss over in the Mondstadt port but also if you go to Inazuma and you look at the what is it the mechanical array that's Mm -hmm. also underground and there is a domain uh over there we're talking about the like boss right about the grand narukami shrine travelers who might not know you can actually see that there's a huge shadow there and there is a monster there and like the mechanical array is a machine that looks like a hypostasis hypostasis Ouch. Hypostasis. hypostasis is that the one we need for goru and ayaka yes, yes. okay that's that's the only way i remember them <laughs> who are they for well what do you think that economia would create a giant shadow underneath like Watasumi and Yashori. Mm. Uh, well, that's because that becomes the question is like, what are those dark marks then? Because if Inkanomiya isn't the abyss, it could still lend to the idea that the black is like abyssal stuff, but we're not sure. Right. Yeah. Or they're just like things down there because it's so massive. Because <laughs> like Oribashi hung out down there, right? At some point. <laughs> And it's kind of like how last, I think that's a really, honestly, an amazing question, Tiff, because I brought up last week how, as as a joke, that I kind of saw Tavat as like a seven layer dip, but maybe that's true. And it's like, how far down is Inkanomiya? And is it possible that you can't see Inkanomiya from the water, like from an aerial drone shot? I think Inkanomiya is the bean dip. I think that's the Is that at the bottom (laughs) of the dip? Mm Mm-hmm. So- then I, I actually have a question based on that. So we learned during the Inconomia lore and story that Conria actually came on over to say hi to them and try to steal the book of Sun and Moon. So do you guys think that it's possible that there are a few underground slash underwater communities like that? And we, we also see the inverted city in the chasm. And with the inverted city... You know, Dainsleaf really pushes that he thinks the technology is older than Conria, but also openly admits that the architecture is really similar to Conria. 
mm-hmm. which is like, <gasps> spoiler, Dainsley, if you telling me what it's going to look like now. But do you think that these like places are connected? Well, so we've talked before about, and I'm glad you brought this up because this is definitely something we should discuss is that there, remember this grand unified civilization that we've talked about where I think it's a little unclear about what the timeline was for that. I know I've theorized before that that was, you know, humanity's first sort of group that came out of the Ark um, that was led around by the divine envoys, aka the Seelies, and that they, at some point, you know, it was that group who kind of branched into two different directions. One was, you know, living under the Archon rule, and the other was the godless nation that decided they weren't going to take anything from the gods, which would have happened around 6,000 years ago at the same time that the second who came showed up and started making trouble. But there's different theories, I'm sure. Like, uh, you know, some people might think that the unified civilization was only ever Conria or that they were living sort of in tandem. Like maybe that, you know, they, because we know that they probably lived underground, at least around the chasm. But if they were older than Conria, what does that mean? And like, why were they underground if they were not Conria? Like, right. Because at least when in Conomia, we know that when the second who came came down and fought the primordial one, that in Conomia was sunk. <laughs> right. Which is also interesting that it's sunk and Watasumi formed above it. But we know that's because of Orobashi's body. Yaddy, yaddy. <laughs> which honestly leads me to another fucking question so many questions please tell me if i am talking too much too but over in sumeru you know they actually talk a lot about conria and the people of sumeru whether it be in the desert it be the pari it be you know the people of sumeru city they refer to conria as like the dari mm-hmm. so we know that over near pari land we have a door to conria quote unquote right, right. and that's over in like the Tamir Mountains. But back over on the border of the desert and the forest, a little south of Caravan Ribot, we have something called the Ruins of Dari, which is just like, you can dive into it and it brings you kind of over into the Apam Woods underground area for the most part. But that leads a lot of questions for me as to why there are the Ruins of Dari over there Although the actual door, which you would assume is also ruins, is so far away from it. Also, the ruin golems, like the giant ruin guard guys, there's three of them in Sumeru, and they're pretty spread out. They're huge. And they're huge. Like, do you think they all, like, erupted, possibly, from the ruins of Dari? Because they're probably too big to take the door, right? I'm going to assume they did not come out the door. Imagine they did. (laughs) They just walked out. That door's not that big. They'd like have to like Kool-Aid man it in. <laughs> you never know. They shrunk. Maybe there's technology for that. <laughs> they have a shrink ray in the back. <laughs> it's <laughs> honey, I shrunk the rune golems. Yeah. <laughs> How are we gonna tell King? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I always assumed that Conria 
was sort of all over to that underground and that maybe there are just certain entrances to it. Mm, and that what so then why is there a door that's my question yeah, i do not know because i agree with you brandon i feel like there are multiple areas that lead you into conria uh and part of my reason for that is that i think the you know thousand winds to extension site is totally an entrance to conria too with those stairs which also that could be your abyssal entrance yeah and i mean there's different types of ruin machines elsewhere so even if they didn't originate where they're at now they there was a way for them to get there i mean the giant mechanical worm in the chasm also the perpetual array that you were just talking about way over in, in azuma well those aren't guaranteed to be conrian right like those both are rumored to be of older civilization quote unquote oh yeah i think you're i think you're right well hmm. i think they're conrian anyway fuck it <laughs> yeah i guess i don't know because it could just be that the conrians co-opted technology of the civilization before them mm, that's a good idea but yeah you're right like why would they have this technology that looks so much like stuff that we have been told is definitely conrian and then not be conrian but then there's also what this other civilization living underground and all these different places also b you had mentioned earlier the whole durin coming out of like an abyss portal like out of the sea what if that's the spiral abyss close to the sea? It could be, yeah. Mm -hmm. That would make sense. I just want to know what the deal is with this other unified civilization. That is still like one of the biggest questions for me. And it's definitely going to bug me until I figure it out. Well, hopefully we learn more in Fontaine, right? Like, I know Fontaine I so. is like right around the corner, you know, this this fall. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fontaine fall. You know, you've heard of Hot Girl Summer? Hot Fontaine Falls coming your way. Like, mm -hmm. hopefully it opens yeah. our eyes. We are going down the vortex. It's just Guff. It's it's Guff. Guff is actually the Hydro Archon. No, not Guff from Fortnite. Yeah, well, not the not the deguffified Guff. Let's just let's, <laughs> let's never think of that again. No, like that'd be so fucking cute though just like a, a guff just guff i wonder if fontaine will follow the same type of thing like sumero did too where we had some archon quests that really explained the area and then later on we got back to the original like dane's leaf showed up quite a bit after sumero opened up mm -hmm. so i wonder if it'll follow that same kind of thing so we can learn more about fontaine and then get back down to the nitty-gritty and see how gold fucked that place up too yeah i would guess you're right <laughs> this is one thing that i've gotten out of anything that i've read in any research on conry and more outside of the stuff just knowing from playing is i i blame it all on, on gold <laughs> i have so much i'm like this bitch <laughs> <laughs> this is your fault you want to know what's crazy too is like the assumption is that gold caused all this chaos and then continued to practice Kamiya because she created albedo after the cataclysm because yeah. she's a crazy ass bitch she's dangerous i'm curious if skirk is a conrian or is gold now remind us who skirk is again yeah so for travelers who don't remember you might not know either even though you should know because it's child. Skirk <laughs> is the woman in the abyss that trained child when he fell into the abyss as a kid. Right, like a swords, a swords woman, right? Yeah. Trains him 
how to use weapons. Yeah, very strong fighter. And Child actually says about Skirk, it's been years since I last saw my master. Interesting because, you know, Kale also calls Tinyari a master. So he has respect for Skirk. And then he continues and he says, I should hope that the next time we meet, I'll at least be able to force her to use both hands to beat me. I mean, we've seen Child. He's strong as hell. This woman's beating him with one hand? I mean, I don't know about that. I can solo him with Gene. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're talking about canon, child. Okay, canon. Not world boss. World boss is a little bitch. World boss, girl boss. (laughs) No. But I mean, yeah, canon-wise, very, very strong. Wait, I'm sorry. Are you, do you head canon that Gene is Skirk? No. Is that what happened? <laughs> no, I was just saying I can solo world boss child with only Gene. <laughs> solo. That's I what I mean. A word in there somewhere. <laughs> I also hope that we do get Skirk as a playable character, just because I feel like she'd be a badass bitch. Oh yeah, yeah. One inch. You know, there's also this question of like where the Hexen Circle falls into play with conria as well because if we know that gold is from conria but we also know gold is a member of the hexen circle there becomes the question of like when did the hexen circle form so you know was gold practicing alchemy in conria as a member of the hexen circle or did she do all of her crazy abyss stuff prior to joining the hexen circle you know is she kind of like uh making up for her sins type of thing she is the great sinner after all yeah the only thing i know about that timeline is that the hexen circle used to or at one point in the past they challenged venti to i guess however he was ruling Mondstadt and or whatever theory you have about what he may have been ruling and that they all just kind of agreed to get along and get together regularly and explain their differences and support each other yeah i you know it's it's interesting because i could definitely see people disagreeing with venti at first and a lot of those witches are initially from Mondstadt, it seems which also bears the question of is gold originally from Mondstadt? disagreed with venti went to conria and then emerged and what like went to the hexen circle and was like well i don't like this guy that's why i did all this crazy shit the ego oh my god mm. I mean, I know somewhere it says that she's from Conria, but okay, that could just be unexplored. Like, it could be true that she was originally from Mondstadt. I don't know. Because, like, why did she send Albedo there? Yeah. I mean, is yeah. that just because she's friends with Alice and that was sort of where Alice was stationed, you know? Well, you could also, if she, because we, we don't know much about her at this point, if she is still, well, we know that she survived the cataclysm. So we can almost assume that in that case that she was pure-blooded Conrian if she was from there because or else she would have been turned into a hilly troll. True, oh, that's yeah. true. And that also bears the question of like, which is kind of a question toward the curse too. Like I'm making a presumption here when I say that you had to maybe be in Conria to get the curse. So if Gold was like half living in the abyss, could she have possibly sideswept getting cursed too? I thought that it was when they returned to the surface that they turned into or were were then affected by the curse so that anyone who's still staying and living in Conria proper is okay. Which was dangerous because there were so many monsters there. It was like you might not live. Exactly. 
near that entrance, the, that big gate into Conneria, you find some notes that are telling this like horrifying story of when the people of Conneria were like trapped in between the monsters coming in from the abyss and then the nightmare of seeing what they're turning into on the surface. So there were some people that were like, I'm not turning into that. I'll take my chances down here with the monsters. And we're sort of trapped between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Do we think that there's still people behind that gate then? Like there's people living down there? I kind of hope so. I mean, I think so. There, They could be people, but what? <laughs> like, are they still affected by the curse are they still safe from being hilly churls or is it just sentient hilly churls or are they similar to dane's leaf where they're like they're slowly succumbing to the erosion i mean i could tell you what i would love to see is is if we get down there and find out that there is like you know that there somehow there were people that survived the unleashing of the monsters and just continued to live their little civilization down there obviously they're scared of celestia now so they keep it locked up tight whereas maybe they didn't necessarily before but that's what i would like to see i don't know if that's what we will actually get but But, i mean that's a really good question though about gold because we know that gold has been outside of conria since the cataclysm happened because the hexen circle used to meet on the island in the sky outside of Mondstadt. So she would have to be cursed if she was Conrian. So, you know, I think that would suggest that she was full-blooded or she was able to sidestep the curse too. Right. Which, you know, is interesting because the only stuff we really know about gold too is like that she used to drag Albedo into different domains and like do research and stuff. And that one day they discovered the heart of Nabarius and gold was like, peace out, go find Alice. So, like, we also don't know, like, what are these domains? Were they, like, running around the abyss? But we also know from, like, Scaramouche and his, like, running around in the abyss that that's really dangerous. Right. Or was she just a world jumper like Alice and was going to planet Earth? She was hanging out at KFC when this was all going on. (laughs) (laughs) Making her way down to Pizza Hut. (laughs) Look, I I skipped right over the abyss and went straight to those biscuits. (laughs) (laughs) The Colonel was calling my name. (laughs) (laughs) And the heart of Nabarius is really just like their coleslaw. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's good coleslaw, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) i I do have one question what you guys think of what i believe is the most important question about conria and the conrian curse what the hell about the unusual hilly troll why (laughs) is he doing business and where is he going does he still think he's in that's kaya that's kaya's dad Yes. Oh, I love it. I love that. He's like he does he's like a task rabbit person yeah. for Conria. He just sells cabbages. <laughs> cabbages to yeah. everybody, buddies. It's all he's got. He's got a briefcase full of cabbages. I would love to like learn that the unusual Hilly Turtle is actually just someone in disguise. <laughs> They, like, rip off their mask all Scooby-Doo style. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's me, it's gold. (laughs) The unusual hilly troll, in my opinion, knows Alice somehow. And I only say that because if you look at 
the archives for Genshin and you look at the unusual hilly troll, they have this little yellow guy with them. And that yellow guy is literally a Honkai icon like, or a Honkai it. mascot, right? I don't want to hear it. I'm yeah. just saying this <laughs> yellow guy that's with the unusual hilly troll. The little is yellow rabbit. Yeah. A mascot for Honkai Impact the Third. So it bears a lot of questions of if that was just Hoyo putting in an Easter egg or if they're trying to say something more. So him actually knowing Alice, isn't that surprising? Who knows? Maybe that's Clee's dad. <laughs> she I love it. Oh, Hilly. She fucked a cabbage Hilly girl. No, nah, no. Nah, she fucked him when he was a human. Aww. And maybe Clee's I mean, that old. You know, we don't know how maybe old Maybe it was is. after. You don't know what she's into. Yeah, but... I was like, oh, how old? that it was after she's like keep the mask on please (laughs) dead now but i think that it's worth noting that we do know that there are different levels of i guess sentience is a good word like al mentioned before among the hilly trolls because like we just met some new types of hilly trolls in sumeru that seem to be a lot smarter and and more put together than the regular hilly trolls. So it could just be like there could be other ones that really are smart that we just haven't really met yet, you know? Like the unusual hilly troll. He's gonna actually be like a like someone we have to deal with a lot in Fontaine, imagine. Like <laughs> yeah, it, it's like go talk to the unusual hilly troll at his office location in northern Fontaine. And you're like, office location. I picture him talking like the gremlin from gremlins 2 that gets really smart (laughs) it's bad that i've never seen gremlins but now i kind of want to you should watch it it's ridiculous (laughs) i do think that is all the time we have for today though honestly though we could talk about conria all day i mean i feel like despite everything we just covered we're only scratching the surface of conrian lore and it's pretty insane. So hopefully when we get to Fontaine, we'll be able to get some concrete facts and maybe even get a glimpse into Conria. Just like a little peephole, you know, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. That being said, this is our season two finale. We did it. <laughs> Thank you to all the travelers who have followed us, sent in messages, commented, DM'd us, sent us your lore theories, and so many kind words this season. It has been so much fun getting to know everyone. And don't worry, this isn't the end. <laughs> we will be coming back for season three on September 13th, aka the beautiful boy's birthday. And if you don't know who the beautiful boy is, it's Albedo. So, you know, maybe that's a hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod situation. In the meantime, though, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Tales of Devot Pod, and on Twitter, Tales of Devot, to stay updated on any special episodes or special content that we're going to release in the in-between time, between now and season three. Additionally, if you're interested, you can support the podcast by visiting our Ko-fi account. All funds from Ko-fi go to fueling our endless lore nights, updating our site, and improving our production. And we do that all for you guys. So if you guys are interested, you could do that too. There's a uh, link in the description of a all of our episodes. Until then, safe journeys, travelers. We'll see you next time. Bye, hilly nerds. <laughs> Can I be an unusual hilly nerd? Oh, absolutely. No. We're unusual hilly nerds. <laughs>